Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the blessing of dedication. We thank you for the blessing of new life. And Father, we thank you that you have made us new. Father, we sung that in the song. And we read it in Corinthians, Father, that he who is in Christ is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Father, we thank you that we are new. We stand complete in Christ. And Lord, as we think about him this morning, Father, we just ask that our hearts be inclined to your word, that our spirits would be open. Father, maybe those who are joining us online who don't normally join us, Father, we just pray, let each one of us hear what you want to say in this place today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you just flick up my presentation, Lindsay, that would be great. Do you know, as we approach this time of year, there's so many things going on. I don't know about you, my mind gets so filled with Christmas and with the busyness and all the things that we do. And it made me think about the message for today and the title is Hidden in Plain Sight. And sometimes the most important person of this time of year is hidden in plain sight. And all the things that we do, and it's Jesus, and he can become hidden in plain sight. But I was just thinking, as we think about Jesus today, as we think about the baby, it's apt that we do that on a day where there's a dedication. I don't know about you, um, one of our traditions uh, every year is to have a family day out. We normally go down to Glasgow and we have dinner and we do whatever we do, wander around the shops and stuff like that. And one of our traditions is to have a little walk around George Square with the lights on and all that kind of stuff. And there's a scene, a nativity scene in George Square, which we always go over to see every year. We always go to see the baby. And it's just a, such an amazing tradition to have as a family. Um, there's another crib just further out into the east end of Glasgow. That's at Michael's Roman Catholic Church in Parkhead. And I heard a story that one time somebody took the baby Jesus out the manger so that they could lie in the crib. Somebody less fortunate and uh, needed a bed for the night, so they lay in the, the manger instead of baby Jesus. Um, and I, the, you know, it's amazing, actually. There are stories all over the news about baby Jesus getting stolen at Christmas. That's quite bizarre, isn't it? But today I wanted to think about how Jesus is hidden in plain sight. Jesus is there to be seen if you have eyes to see. But for those who don't, he's hidden in plain sight. And I want us to think about today the Word of God and how the Word of God, capital W, is woven throughout the Word of God. And I'm going to uh, just share how Jesus is hidden in Scripture just briefly. And just to share some verses. Genesis 3.15 says this, and it's the first place that Jesus is mentioned. God created everything wonderful and perfect, and humanity messed it up. And it was never going to work until somebody came thousands of years later in the form of a baby. His name was Jesus, and he lived a perfect life, was tempted in every way that we are, and yet without sin. And he was able to go to a cross and to die for us, to die for our sin. And it was a fulfillment of what was said right at the very start. And we read it in Genesis 3.15. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. It's a word that came to the serpent, the tempter, way back at the beginning. And in some translations, it uses the word seed, singular. Not the offspring of the woman as in all the people that would come as a result, but one person, it's singular, seed, and it looked forward to the coming of the Messiah, Jesus. 
Psalm 22, and the New Living Translation says, says this, I was thrust into your arms at my birth. You have been my God from the moment I was born. And if you know Psalm 22, you'll know that it's a messianic psalm. The whole psalm speaks about what's happening about Jesus. And read that psalm, it's incredible. As you read that, you see the things that happened in Jesus' lifetime through the crucifixion, all these things. Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14 says this, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Written 700 years before the birth of Christ. Incredible. Micah chapter 5 verse 2 says, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler of over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. And I want to suggest today, these, these are some of the verses that we read today, if you're taking notes. The word of God, Jesus himself, is woven through the very fabric of scripture through time. We also see the word of God in substance. Luke chapter 1 verse 31 says this, you will be with child, this is the angel speaking to Mary, and give birth to a son and you're to give him the name Jesus. Matthew chapter 1 verse 23, I'll just put those verses up if you're taking notes, says this, the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Matthew, when he said this before this, he said, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. Everything that happened to Jesus was a fulfillment of Scripture. And I love what John says in his gospel. John chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. The Word became flesh, as it goes on to say in verse 14. Jesus the Word of God became flesh. Everything that God had said, everything that encapsulated who he was, the very expression was found in a human being. And his name was Jesus. He was hidden in plain sight. Shepherds saw him and marveled at him. Wise men brought gifts. How many wise men were there? Trick question. Trick question. The Bible doesn't tell us. It only says there were three gifts. And it doesn't say there were kings either. We three kings of Orient are. I'm just saying. But in his day, Jesus was born into humble circumstances, poor. And we see that because when they took Jesus to be dedicated at the temple on the eighth day, they didn't have the big fancy sacrifices. They offered a dove as a sacrifice because they were poor people. And if you read the law, that's what people were to give if they had not so much. So he came from humble circumstances, and I don't know about you, I find that encouraging, because I feel I come from humble circumstances. Grew up in, in circumstances where there wasn't necessarily a lot, but there was a family and there was a home where we were loved, and that's what Jesus had. He had a family and a home where he was loved. He was hidden from the rulers at the time, from people like Herod, who wanted them killed. And by the way, the wise men didn't arrive at the same time as the shepherds or just after. It was at least months, perhaps a couple of years later, when the wise men arrived. So interesting. 
And uh, they came to see the, the baby Jesus, and Herod was after him. And God appeared to Joseph in a dream, and he said, you need to escape to Egypt so that the child can be safe. And so Jesus, again, was hidden from the rulers. He was hidden from the religious elite as well until he was 12 years old when it says in Luke chapter 2, verse 46 and 47, Jesus was left at the temple, remember that? They had all began their journey back home and they went to look for him at the end of the day, thinking that Jesus was amongst the, the, the crowd and amongst relatives and they went, where is he? Have you ever had a moment where you've lost your child in the shops? Have you ever been a child and been lost in the shops, and you go, <gasps> it's like, where is everybody? But Jesus, it says, he was in the temple, and this, it says, after three days, they found him in the temple court, sitting among the teachers, listening, listening to them, and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers, and yet still they couldn't see him for who he was, the Messiah, the Word of God become flesh, living amongst the people of his day and generation. And even today, there are millions of people across the world who can't see Jesus, even though he's hidden in plain sight. Hidden, but discoverable for everyone. You see, the problem is that many people just don't believe that Jesus is who he says he was. Even though at this time of the year we celebrate the birth of Jesus for how many years? I don't know. All the, all the years I've been on the planet, we've been celebrating this. And you have to wonder why people don't believe. I'm going to share something that I've shared in the life of the church before. If you can remember all this, then good on you. But it's something that I just kind of thought, I, 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 it was my first Christmas Eve service as the senior pastor in the church and I shared a message, and I used an illustration just to try and help us to understand who Jesus is. And the chances of all of these prophecies in Scripture being fulfilled in one person, in one place, and at one time in history. And I looked at the possibility, the chance of winning the national lottery. The bottom line is that in order to win, a person would need to select Six numbers out of a possible 59. Six correct numbers out of a possible 59. And if you think your chances are good, let me tell you that the odds, if you do the stats on this, the odds of you winning the lottery are 45,057,474 to 1. So let me give you a little bit of advice today. If you want to be rich, work hard, Okay. Work hard, because you're very unlikely to win the lottery. You need to put in the graft. Now, if that was my chances today of being hit by a bus later on this afternoon, I wouldn't be worried today. In fact, I am not worried about getting hit by a bus later on today. And if you think that's very unlikely, and some people do win the lottery, let's be honest, the chances of Jesus' arrival on the planet at the right place, at the right time, being the right person, are so remote, you would never, ever think it possible. In his book, Evidence That Demands a Verdict, Josh McDowell cites another book called Science Speaks, which deals with, amongst other things, the probability of Old Testament prophecy 
coming true in Jesus. It's written by a man named Peter Stoner, professor of mathematics. And in this book, Josh McDowell, he cites 61 distinct prophetic words about Jesus that are contained in the Old Testament scriptures. Peter Stoner takes eight of those and he studies the probability and the chance of these happening the way they did over a period of years with over 600 students. They do all the stats and all the analysis. And these are the predictions that they look at, the prophecies that they look at. They look at Micah 5.2. We read that verse about the place of his birth. Although Jesus' parents came from Nazareth, they had to travel to Bethlehem at that point in time for a census, and it's all recorded there by the, the governor who asked for the census. But these words about this happening, you can see that they were written hundreds of years before Jesus came on the planet. The Bible also talks about the forerunner, John the Baptist, Jesus' forerunner. We read that in Mike, uh, sorry, Malachi 3.1. And again, written hundreds of years before it happened. Jesus' arrival in Jerusalem in a donkey. We read about that in the book of Zechariah, chapter 9, verse 9. And again, written hundreds of years before it happened. We were talking with the kids just this week in Treasure Kids about the Christmas story. And I said, how did they get from Nazareth to Bethlehem? And everybody said donkey, and they started singing a song that they learned at school. It was absolutely hilarious. But I said, there's no donkey mentioned in the, in the nativity story. But then I proceeded to show them a, a, video, of, show them a, a video of our church donkey who's sitting <laughs> just up there at the back. Mr. C. No similarity intended, okay? <laughs> and it's fun to have all these things, isn't it? It's just amazing. But there was an occasion when Jesus was on a donkey and he rode that donkey into Jerusalem and it was as he approached the time of his death and it was prophesied. The wounds on his hands and feet talked about by Zechariah in 13.6 him being betrayed for 30 pieces of silver, the buying of the potter's field that we read about in Zechariah, that he said nothing in his defense was written by Isaiah, and we read it in chapter 53, verse 7. We often read that at times of communion. And then going back into this psalm, Psalm 22, which is a messianic psalm. If you read that psalm, you see a picture of those times fulfilled in Jesus and using population statistics and estimates, and at the end of the day, rounding everything down so that things would be more reliable, they came to the conclusion that the probability or chance of all these predictions, only eight, by the way, coming to pass in one person in one place in time in history were 100,000 trillion to one. 100,000 trillion to one just for those eight. And he cites 61 different prophecies. And that's only eight. 100,000 trillion to one. And in trying to help us to understand such a big number, there are maybe people in here who understand big numbers. I don't. I'm quite happy with my two times table. Okay. He tried to get his audience to understand how massive this number was. And he said, imagine the state of Texas covered in $1 coins and it was two feet deep. And that gives you an idea of the scale of that number. Jim, you've spent some time in Texas. You will know how big a place it is getting from A to B. 
Imagine the state of Texas being covered in $1 note, coins, sorry, and it stacked too deep. That's how big that number is. 100,000 trillion to one. And then he said, in order to get an idea of the chances of that happening, take one of those coins, color it in red, throw it back in, blindfold somebody and ask them to go and pick out that coin. That's the chances of those eight predictions coming true about one person in one place and in one time in history. Slim chance, eh? I'd rather try and do the lottery. Better chances, better odds. I've never won a thing in my life. Never won a competition. Maybe one of these days I will win something. But the chances of this happening are so slim. And yet people don't want to accept the message about Jesus. The Messiah. The Savior who came into the world just as God said it would happen. As people were inspired to write scripture. And yet here we see the baby hidden in plain sight. And people sometimes just don't want to see the baby. I don't know about you today. That for me is the biggest question. Where's the baby? And I did think about using that Ice Age clip. <laughs> for those of you who've seen Ice Age. Where's the baby? <laughs> With that big scary tiger thing. I can't remember what you call those. Um, Sabretooth. That's it. Somebody else has seen the film. Where's the baby? <laughs> I wonder if people looked at you today, would they say, there he is. <laughs> Where's the baby? And you look at somebody and you say, there he is. See that person there? I see Jesus in that person. The way they live their lives, I see Jesus in that person. I wonder, I wonder today, have you accepted Jesus into your life? And if you have, is he evident in your life? Can people ask the question, where's the baby? And look at you and say, there he is. There's Jesus in that person. The way you choose to live your life. Some people think about Jesus that he was a good man. That he was a wise teacher. Some people hold that Jesus was a prophet. And he was all of those things. But he was much more than that. He was the son of God. He was God in the flesh, coming to this earth to be a savior to the world. It tells us that he came to save us from our sins. He came to overthrow the works of the devil. He came to destroy death. He came to conquer hell and to open up a way for us to have a relationship with the Father so that we can then have an eternal hope and an eternal future with God. Isn't that incredible? The chances of it happening are so slim, and yet it happened just exactly as it was predicted that it would. The question is, where's the baby? I hope today in your life that he's not hidden in plain sight. I hope today that when people look at you, they see Jesus in you, in your choices, your decisions, the way you live your life, the way you think, the way you speak the way you deal with your finances and your resources, I hope that people see Jesus in you today. Let's just bow our heads. We're going to pray as we draw our service to a close today. 
And I just want to put out that challenge today. Maybe, maybe you've never invited Jesus into your life. And I want to just pray a prayer to help you to do that, to invite Jesus into your life today. I'm going to do that in a little second. Maybe Jesus isn't the number one priority in your life. Yes, you're a Christian. You've made a decision to follow Jesus. But the things of the, 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 thing, the cares of this world have just got, uh, they've just become more important in your life at this point in time. And Jesus isn't necessarily the priority in your life. And I'm just going to challenge us today to say, today's a day to make him number one priority in your life. So that when people see you, they see Jesus. And I'm just going to pray over this congregation and our guests today that people, as they look at us, will see Jesus. But first, before I do that, let's pray this prayer of acceptance, a prayer where you accept Jesus into your life, that he can come in. And if you've never made that decision, if you've never prayed that prayer, whether you're in the, the building today or whether you're online or listening to this uh, as a recording afterwards, you can pray this prayer into yourself and say amen after it. And then make sure you tell somebody that you've prayed that prayer, you've made a decision to invite Jesus into your heart. Let's just pray that prayer and then I'm going to pray a prayer of blessing over the congregation. Dear God, I thank you for Jesus that he came to this earth against all the odds that he was obedient to you, that he died for my sins, that he died that I might have life and life in all its fullness. And I accept Jesus into my heart today. Forgive me. Make me clean. In Jesus' name, amen. And Father, we just pray over everyone who prays that prayer, whether today, later today, tomorrow, during this week, whenever it is, Father, for those who pray that prayer, may you come in power into each life, into each heart. And Father, we just pray that our lives would bring glory to you. And Father, for everyone who's present here today, Father, I pray over the body of Christ today, whether we're part of this church or we're visiting from another church, Father, we ask that you would just pour out your spirit upon us in such a, a new and dynamic way. Father, we pray that we would hear the sound of the rushing rain. Father, that we would hear the sound of your presence coming in power. Lord, for those who need a touch in their bodies, Father, who need to be healed, Lord, we're praying that your power would come. Father, that the kingdom of God would be manifest, would be demonstrated in healing and in miracles. And Father, we pray that you'd raise up and lift those who need a touch in their physical body from you. Father, those who need a touch in their mind and their emotions and their spirits, Father, we pray that you'd come and that you'd bring that touch from heaven. And Father, that you'd enter every heart in a fresh way. And Father, we just pray that we would put you as the priority in our lives in every aspect of life that we would put you as our priority. And Father, as we continue on into this Christmas season, Father, we just ask that your hand would be upon every event, every activity, every leader, every person who engages with whatever activity it is. Father, we pray for your presence to come in such a special way. And Father, that people would find Jesus this Christmas. Father, the Jesus who for years has perhaps been hidden in plain sight, Father, we pray that he would become real to people this year, maybe for the first time. And so, Father, we ask this in Jesus' 
precious name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. So good to be in God's house today. The Lord bless you. I hope that you have a fantastic day, whatever you've got planned for today, and that you just enjoy God's presence and just invite him in to, to fill you and to be overflown with the presence of the Lord today. Amen. Amen.